For the past few weeks, we've been speaking about the Great Commission. We've been speaking about evangelism. Been speaking about the fact that the Jesus that we serve said that the church should go into all the God knows everything. See, if God knows everything, God's not surprised when he looked down in time to see this church on this piece of property in this city. But you have to wonder sometimes with what we can make it, is that what God envisioned? You know, as Christians, we can want to get together with other Christians. Because it's uncomfortable when we get together with people who don't believe in Jesus at times. We can get in a place where this is our safe space, insulated from the things that I want to dig in out of the world. And today I want to dig in maybe just a little bit more. Because Jesus all along knew that the key to growth was evangelism. He knew that's what it was about. That's why he put that out there. That's why he modeled it for us. He set the template. He never meant for us to be isolated away from other people. He meant for us to infiltrate. He meant for us to permeate. When he said, salt, what do I mean by salt permeating? Here's one. How about this, Jerry? I guarantee at some point in people's lives, if they ever sliced off a piece of Virginia ham that hadn't soaked overnight, they would understand what permeate means. You ever had one of those hams that are cured in salt that hang beside the road that you can buy on vacation? There's so much salt in them. I mean, I had it when I was eight years old. My parents let me try it. My sodium level has been off the charts since. We need to look for opportunities to engage people with the gospel. What if every morning when we got up, it wasn't just the same old, same old, and Lord, you brought me to another day, but we looked at it like an open appointment book for us individually that God was going to place things in our path. We can live in a way of like nation for the, as a Christian. Pastor Greg Laurie, from whom we got the information for this study. He had said that when he got saved as a young man, that he had a friend who did not accept Jesus, and he had said to his friend, here are things I would never do. You're not going to see me out on the street talking to people about Jesus, wearing a cross, and carrying my Bible. Well, a few months passed, and he was doing exactly that. And he ran into his friend, who he said he would not do those things. And even though he promised not to talk to him about Jesus, he began to talk to him about Jesus. And he felt entirely confident in what he was saying. And the friend was listening. And they were in an area which was kind of a a party district, if you will. And there was a gentleman standing nearby who worked at a head shop. That's where they sell glass pipes for tobacco use only. Who came out. And he was listening and said, I couldn't help but overhear what you were talking about. But I have some questions for you, Christian. And he began to ask some hard questions. And as the friend was listening, the friend's like, yeah, yeah. And in that moment, Greg Laurie felt like he had failed. He just felt everything just kind of flow out of him. But here's, didn't lead anyone to the Lord. 
He walked away. He was feeling defeated. But here's a key phrase that I need you to hear. He walked away. If you can walk, if there's breath in your lungs, then there is opportunity for you to refine how you approach people. There is opportunity to get up and do it again. There's opportunity to say, maybe I shouldn't do that again. In 1 Peter 3.15, in the King James Version, we read, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That word fear, they say reverence. Reverence. What a godly appointment privilege it is to stand before someone else and talk about Jesus Christ. It's reverence. I revere God and I am giving reverence to this person because they're important enough for him to die for and I want to respect this moment. Here's a pro tip. Don't come off like a know-it-all. We all know some things. There's going to be some questions that may stump you. We can't walk around in just this like all live it and they'll see it level. Oh, living it's important. But we must become fluent, able to give. We must become fluent in the theology of knowing what we know and being able to give every man an answer. That comes from the Greek word apologia. Apologia is where we get our word apologetics. When you hear that, don't think that it means I'm going to go around apologizing for what I believe because I don't want to tread on anyone else. No, it speaks of one who stands in court and testifies. Almost like I'm an attorney for this side, and I'm going to stand in confidence, and I'm going to state the case. I've never imagined if you were in court and your attorney got up and they're like, I, uh, um, I, you'd be like, whoa, this isn't how it works on law and order. What are you doing? Be ready to give every man an answer. I would encourage every one of you to commit yourself to study and to be prepared. Every Christian needs to know what their Bible says. You cannot depend on what comes out of my mouth and from this pulpit on Sunday to sustain you and to make you equipped to do the work before you. This is kind of like the Flintstones chewable, right? You need to be eating other things besides the Flintstones chewables through the week. Do you know the Roman road? I say that these things are. I don't say that like this is a quiz. I say that these things are important. Let me show you at the end. Got the verses up here because we're talking about how to win souls. But if we don't even know the roadmap, how will we show them? We spoke about the woman at the well a bit last week. Jesus sharing the good news with this woman. She was immoral. She's burned out. It was a hot afternoon. He met her at noon. Do you know why he met her at noon? Because it was the hottest time of day, and it's when she, who no one else wanted to hang out with, went to the well. Trying to sneak there. So no one would mock her, rip on her, let her know how deep in sin she was. Yet there sits Jesus. When you have an appointment, do you show up unprepared? When you make an oil change appointment, do you show up without your car? You have what you, well, I mean, I may do that, honestly. That's something that I may do. 
But if you have a meeting, you show up prepared for that meeting. Imagine Jesus standing before you with the Bible, handing it to you and saying, every single thing that you need to build a bridge to anyone you come in contact with is in here. The objective to build bridges, not burn them. To win souls and not the arguments. I get to establish contact. Get a conversation going. I guarantee if my dad is out somewhere, do you know what he'll ask someone? Where are you from? I hear that accent. That's Virginia accent. Where are you from? Big Stone? I know that. Engage people in conversation. Like, are we scared? Really? How we said before. I mean, some people, they may pepper spray you. The majority will not. Engage people. Engage them. The second thing is to engage in dialogue, not monologue. Oh, that's huge. Engage people. Ask them questions. Check this out. Here's how I usually engage people. People ask me usually. Like, that's what's weird. They'll engage you. So what do you do? I work at a church. Yeah, you know, one thing. And you just, you get into conversation. And looking at me, they're probably like, well, he's probably the church hunter. <laughs> he probably procures meat for the church. I don't know. I don't know what they think. But appropriately and in good timing, bring it around to Jesus. Of this, when you're talking and in good timing, when, have you ever noticed this? When you're talking to someone and they are not listening to a word that you're saying because they just want to talk about what they want to talk about, and they're just doing this stare like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, you know, don't be that person. When someone's engaging you, take that. That's an honor. Again, revering that time, knowing that this is your appointment. We want to get them to the greatest story ever told, which is this gospel. John chapter 4. Jesus meets this woman at the well. Her name is never mentioned. We don't know what her name was. We knew she had messed up her life. We knew probably from that time that she was not an educated person. We don't know if she had much understanding of Scripture. She'd made a lot of bad decisions. She had been married five times. For that time, this is scandalous. Scandalous. Again, it gives us insight to why she showed up at the well at that time. She's kind of an outcast. But she encounters Jesus at that place. When she does, we watch Jesus build a bridge. John 4, verses 3 through 10, New King James, and I'll read it. Jesus left Judea, and he departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria, which is called Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Joseph's well was there. Jesus, therefore being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour, and a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. 
I'll hold that point for a second. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Here's evangelism Jesus style. You need to start with a burden. A burden that your heart goes out. That it's not just some encounter that I'm going to talk to four people today about Jesus and you're a checkbox on my list. But the fact that when you see someone that your heart goes out and you think, I need to engage them. I need to engage them. He needed to go through Samaria. No, he didn't need to. Not geographically. That was totally out of his way. He needed to because before on that day at appointment written in that book that Jesus would fulfill on that day at noon and show up there for that woman. We don't deal with each other. There was a strong hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans, cultural prejudice. There was religious prejudice. It came from Deuteronomy 27. It came from when there was a split in the kingdoms and there were two places to worship and they did not get along with each other because of this. The Jews saw the Samaritans as people that would just pick and choose at the scriptures to, to suit whatever they needed. Jesus goes out of his way to meet that woman. He wants to reach someone through you. You think about that. Bobby, he wants to use you to approach someone with this message of Jesus Christ. What a privilege. Like for him to say, I trust you so much, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to write this in. That's the Jesus that I serve. We need to overcome prejudices and bias. Oh, Lord, do we. I need to walk in peace. I need to be a bridge of peace. I don't need to look and say, well, that person's different than me. I am different than any person. Truth, I meet someone this morning, and I'm holding a bag of beef jerky. And like I had to tell one person, no, it's not a doggy do pickup bag, it's beef jerky. Like, who says that? That's awkward. If you feel uncomfortable, how's this? Who cares? If you're uncomfortable, maybe it's the place that God put for you in that moment, and you need to go. Greg Laurie said when he first became a Christian as a young man, he felt that God was leading him exclusively to witness to college-age girls. God squared him up. As much as we, like, Throw around the term like, oh, comfort zone, comfort zone. You hear it all through your life in church. We sure dwell there a lot, it seems like. We need to use tact. That word tact, it means diplomacy, sensitivity, skill, and grace in dealing with other people. There is a quote from Isaac Newton. Throw my quote up there. No, throw the next quote up there. I, I have other ones. Tact is the art of making a point without making an enemy. It isn't that to the Jesus level. It's an art. It is an art. You can state the truth in a loving way. Even if the truth has its edges, you can speak it in a way that it's spoken in love. 
You can do it in a way to let them know that Jesus loves them. If you begin a conversation with someone who is lost by saying, you are going to hell, it will not be a fruitful outcome. And you're thinking, yeah, but I'm saying it in a way, again, like when we get in this kind of mode, that we're just going to steamroll them. And we're like, I said everything I needed to say. And like the person is just flattened, steamrolled behind you. It wasn't Jesus' style. Just because our terrible sins are a little farther back in the rear view than the person we're standing in front of, it doesn't give us the right to look down on them. Always dwell at the intersection of truth and love. In order to be effective, it needs to go from the point of monologue to dialogue. Here's the truth. In life, this does not go with me where I go. You imagine that hearing it squeaking down the aisle at Giant Eagle? <laughs> and I get in front of the water bottles. People come up and I'm like, if you drink those 16.9 ounces, how fast are water bottles? You'll thirst again. How fast would I be thrown out? Probably people would think I'm handing out samples. Is probably what they do. Time and place. There's a time and place. When I'm out from behind here on Sunday, I engage people differently. I don't have this mic. That would be pretty cool, though, wouldn't it? To talk about that, Tim. I do my best to impersonate a regular human. Understand you're not a machine that once the switch is thrown that you just can't stop. You're just like, I must say all these things, all the things, all the things. And the person is just lost in that monologue. You were made for relationship. Jesus models this. How? Because he didn't take the same approach when he spoke to people. Look at Nicodemus. Look at the rich young ruler. Look at Zacchaeus. Some people say Zacchaeus. I say Zacchaeus because he was a wee little man, and that's how the song rolls. <laughs> Stop acting like you know exactly what ails everyone. What do I say? Well, you're right, but sin does. Yes, but sin can wound in a thousand different ways. And we need to approach people with grace. My wife mocks me because if there is any injury, you know what I caught my foreign. Put Neosporin on it. Caught my toe off, Neosporin, Neosporin. We go through a lot of that. He could have just shown up to that woman and said, I am the son of God. You are not. Let's cut to the chase. Repent right now. No. Would it have been accurate? Would it have been effective in that moment? This is why, I'm going to talk about it a little more in a moment, but what we say and the way that we approach things is very important. And it's not to do an injustice to the gospel. I don't want you to think that when I had mentioned, you know, with the Christian East last week that I'm dismissive of repentance of things of that nature. But what it is to me is I'm talking about the breaking the ice things before we get down to business. Because there's a point when you can say someone, look them dead in the eye and say, you know what? The things we've been talking about, it's leading to a place called repentance. I would not start with that phrase. Hi there. What's your name, Laverne? Hi, Laverne, I'm Bob. I'm going to lead you to repentance today. Pepper spray. Right? 
There is, show when I see that, show me instant in season and out of season. Do you know what I imagine? The mental picture when I see that, show me this one right here, that hay bale. This is what I picture. Growing up in Leroy, many yards had these hay bales with a bullseye. Not just during deer season. Because, as a good resident, you would go out your door and you would shoot arrows at that hay bale probably a few times a week. There was no warm-up season. When deer season came, they were accurate. They were dead on. That show The Walking Dead, and you're like, oh, no. he's. Why do you think Daryl Dixon, the country gentleman, survived so long? Hank Williams said a country boy can survive. It's truth. They were instant in season and out of season. When you think of Nehemiah, when those people rested, they would rest with their tools, with their weapons laying there, and they would stay on the wall and rest. Even in resting, they were in a place of being instant. Do you have a Bible? If you do not have a Bible, come see me after church. I'm not just going to give you some, yeah, we have a box. No, what I'm going to do is we're going to buy you a Bible that you can study in and one that will help you. Promise. If you have a Bible, is it a well-worn Bible? Here's the truth. He said to lift up your eyes and look. When he's talking about these fields, when he's talking about the harvest, here's the truth, and here's how I pictured it. I always pictured it like a TV set. Jaden, that's for you. A TV set doesn't have a back wall. And so I always pictured it like I was standing and I was just looking and everything was in front of me. The truth is, when it comes to a field of harvest, you are standing dead in the middle of it. And whichever way you turn, harvest, harvest, harvest. You can't take a step without finding something to harvest. That's how Jesus is speaking. Look for every opportunity in every place that you go to make an impact for him. Have you ever asked a person, what do you think happens to a person when he or she dies? That's one of those things, that, like I said, hi, I'm Bob. I work at a church, get into some conversation. They'll talk about, had one guy one day, it was a gun shop, and he started telling me how much he distrusts pastors and hates people who work at churches. And I did. I'm like, awkward, huh? <laughs> but we started talking about God. Now, part of me could have thought, no, I, this is a gun shop owner, and he's angry at pastors. Eternity. <laughs> but we began speaking about eternity. When Paul speaks, you know, Paul's approach that uh, when you want to be all things, all people, when you want to get in there. It's not saying make God less. It's not saying act like the world to win the world. It's saying be approachable. Be approachable. Don't wait. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Not a thousand paths. Jesus didn't deal with everyone the same way, and neither should we. He didn't have a one, two, three combo that he just threw out there. We need to adapt to situations. And again, just because we can or just because we have all this knowledge doesn't mean that we dump it out all at once. 
it is possible to meet a Navy SEAL without him breaching the door and blowing the wall in and coming in. It's truth. They could just say hi. And we as Christians, like, we can't come in and just blow the wall down and be like, believe. People would be like, what are you doing? I remember at Winterfest many years ago. Jeff, you may have been of the sports. There was a, uh, a game of the sports. The Colts of Indianapolis were going against another Go Sports team. They wanted to be champions. And, and the fields or the streets were full that weekend. Oh, full. People everywhere. And we come around the corner, and there is a street preacher on the box and everything. And he's yelling, and he's angry, and he's stating true things. But do you know, we stood there for a while and just watched. Do you know how many people went up to ask him if they could meet this Jesus? Zero. And you know what made me even more sad? Was he probably went home that night and slept thinking he had done God's work. I don't want to water down the gospel. But I want to understand that the passion that God has put in us, we need to use wisdom in our approach with the world. Here's a little plug for life groups. They're going to be starting up. This is an excellent way to invite people to homes to do crazy things. Like when we had a life group. I mean, Jordan, what we rummy cube, right? In a craziness, we drank coffee. We played rummy cube, right? It was nuts. But I'm telling you, when you have a life group, you can invite people to your home to someone else's home, and they can be like, wow, I thought church people were crazy. They're not. And then they come to church, and they meet the pastor. <laughs> John 4.13 says, anyone who drinks of this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink of the water I give will never thirst again. Jesus entered her world. Jesus established contact could he have gotten water on his own? Could the almighty son of God gotten a drink of water on his own? <laughs> but excuse me, can I have a drink of water? Because he approached with vulnerability. He didn't come off as a know-it-all. Could he have? Mm-hmm. We need to approach in humility and bring the message to people. I like to fish, I like to fly fish. Need to clarify. When I go to fly fish, do you know what I don't do? I don't chum the water. Fish fluids and do you know what chum is? Here's the definition. It's chopped fish, fish fluids, and other material thrown overboard to attract fish. Yeah, it's nasty. You know what I do is I get this little tiny fly and I tie it on the end and I'm just standing out there. I'm like Brad Pitt in Idaho. I'm just like, psst, psst. The river runs through it. river runs through it. And I, it's art. I love it. And when you are approaching people the same way, would you just like dump a box of Bibles at their feet and start shouting the gospel at them? No. 
the same thing. When you approach them, do so in the way that Jesus would. You sprinkle it. When Americans, I've noticed this. You know, when we get uncomfortable as a Christian, we don't know what to do. Americans go on a mission trip to a Spanish-speaking country, and they make one of two mistakes. They think that if they speak their English a lot louder, then the Spanish-speaking population will understand them. They think that if they take a common English word and add an O to the end, then that will rectify the situation. No, I want milk O. I don't take the bait. I don't take my lures out and beat the fish with the bait. I don't take all of my lures and dump them in, hoping that one of them works. What I do is I stay focused. So she does this. Check this out. Jesus approaching in the best way. When he does this, the woman, and she's probably got tone here. She's like, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that you should worship in Jerusalem. Again, it's not this Sunday school mild-mannered version. She is angry. She's like, what are you doing? Could Jesus have cut off the conversation right there? Yeah. You know, when we approach someone and they kind of give us that look, and you're like, oh, okay. But Jesus doubled down. Should we do the same? The woman at the well. She's trying to stir up a debate. When people realize that you are a believer when you're talking to them, you may get those questions. How about this one? How can a God of love allow people to go to hell? What about someone who's never heard the gospel? What about them? And while these may be relevant questions at the time, you need to double back to the task at hand. And you need to be willing to say, you know what, that's something I'd love to talk about later. Now here's where I am. It's not disrespectful. You hear people say, well, that Bible you carry is full of contradictions. If you had your Bible, you could hand it to them and say, well, show me one. Some people are just wanting to get you out of their space. But love goes the extra mile. Always bring it back to the main subject. That woman, her life was supposed to be transformed. I'll tell you a story, and then I'll give the official, and in closing, because we have to say that, but not yet. (laughs) When Greg Laurie was growing up, and he said often that his mother, you know, this woman, well, had been married five times. The reason that this uh, Bible account was so important to him is because Greg Laurie's mother had been married seven times. And so he saw a lot of his mom in this story. She was raised in church. She went to church three times a week as a young girl. As she got older, she became just wild. Just wanted to get out of there. So she met a man. She eloped with this man. She was beautiful her whole life. And so as she went from relationship to relationship seeking happiness, it was easy for her. She had turned out the windshield that her one occasion where she had had a car accident and the car was really messed up and the windshield that her face had hit it and her physical beauty had been messed up. When she was 70 years old, she looked about 90. Her kidneys were failing. 
God had prompted her son to go speak to her. No, he had many times before, but on this day, he knew that he knew that he needed to go. And so him and his wife, they prayed together, and he went to his mother. Years earlier, she had called him drunk at 2 a.m., and she said, if I was to accept Jesus, would you sing the song just as I am? And he said, at that point, I would have sung anything to know that my mother knew Jesus again. Don't know the outcome of that conversation, but this was years later. That urging came. And as he was sitting there, he said, Mom, I want to talk to you right now about salvation. Now, in the past, she would shut it down. But he said, we are going to have this conversation. And he laid it out. He reminded her of what it meant to follow Christ. And much to his surprise, she responded. She recommitted her life to Jesus. And he said in his heart, he was thinking, this is the best redemption story. Now I'm going to get to see my mom come to my church. And I'm going to see her grow. And I'm going to see all these things that were stolen through the years. God knew there was an one month later, his mother passed away. But see, God knew there was an urgency. And that's why when there's that little tap on your shoulder that you need to talk to that person, take it. Take it. Because you do not know how many breaths they have left. You do not know how many other people are going to get the tap on their shoulder to talk to that person. It might be awkward. It might be tough, even if it's with family members, but you do not want to leave this life with your appointment book just not being checked off. There's one thing about first responders. They're always on duty. Always. Heard stories, you know, like Dom would be out. And when something happens, you're there. And you react. Because you may clock out, but you're never off. It comes to law enforcement. He had a friend and his dad was a police chief. And every time we were together, he was just eyeing me up and down. Just scanning, seeing if I was on a wanted poster. And at any moment, I thought he was just going to throw me on the ground. Always on duty. Winston Churchill said this. Throw me that Churchill quote. This is it. Day, let it be that. If you allow something to speak to your heart that didn't come straight out of the Bible day, let it be that. There will always be reason not to respond. Always. But make the opportunities. The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. If Jesus did not exempt himself from a lifelong mission of seeking the lost, then we can't either. When you hear that story, that, that one sheep, he didn't wander back when, when the shepherd was like, sheep, sheep, come back. The shepherd had to go out and probably in the mud and in the nasty and in the thorns and everything else and find that sheep. Always searching. That's the mindset that we need to have. I'm going to close on this. That Roman road that I mentioned This is the key. When we come to a place where people want to hear more about this Jesus that we serve, that we speak of, you go to God's word. You lay it in his hands. You may have the privilege of praying with someone that day, 
or you may plant some seed and, and fall short. 323 says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well, I'm a good person. I know. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8, for God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10, 9 through 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That lays the roadmap out. And when you say such deep things, Imagine saying it without it being written down and it just flows naturally. Imagine at the end saying to someone, you know, I'm just going to ask you this. Would you like to pray with me for Jesus to come into your heart? It's and you leave it to God. It's that simple, but I can promise you this. When heaven fires up in a party every time someone comes to know Jesus Christ, you did a great thing for the kingdom in doing that. We're going to pray in a moment. At the conclusion of today's service, there's a slideshow that Todd had put together for Hurl. The service was the other day at Roman Road. I know where Hurl is. He's with Jesus right now. And so when we speak of these things, what I want you to do is to pray this. God, direct these feet and give me eyes that see what you want me to see. If you stand. <laughs>